insulted my clothing, inferred I know nothing, but the guy next week knows everything. Uh, so that was good. Well done, mate. That's, uh, yeah, I guess I could get prayer for rejection at the end. Uh, so, how are we this morning? Are we good? Excellent. That was about five of you. The rest, uh, anyone from New Zealand in the house? Anyone from France in the house? There's a load, in, a load of French people in the prayer room, apparently, being prayed for. Some of you will know what that reference is to. If you haven't watched the game, I've just given it away. So, this morning, for a start, um, these were some GCSE exam papers that were written, um, which perhaps the person should have revised more. So, this is theology. In the first book of the Bible, Guinnesses, Adam and Eve were created from an apple tree. One of their children, Cain, asked, am I my brother's son? Moses led the Hebrew slaves to the Red Sea where they made unleavened bread, which is bread made without any ingredients at all. (laughs) Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. He died before he ever reached Canada. The Greeks were highly sculptured people, and without them, we wouldn't have history. The Greeks also had myths. A myth is a female moth. (laughs) Socrates was a famous Greek teacher who went around giving people advice. They killed him. Socrates died from an overdose of wedlock. (laughs) Is my wife here? Can I make the joke? Oh, she's at the back. Can't make that joke then. Um, Love you. Uh, After his death, his career suffered a dramatic decline. (laughs) Last few, Julius Caesar extinguished himself on the battlefields of Gaul. The Ides of March murdered him because they thought he was going to be made a king, and in his last breath he said, tee-hee, Brutus. (laughs) And funniest of all, Johann Bach wrote a great many musical compositions and had a large number of children. In between, he practiced on an old spinster, (laughs) which he kept up in his attic. Bach died from 1750 to the present. (laughs) Bach was the most famous composer in the world, and so was Handel. Handel was half German, half Italian, and half English. (laughs) He was very large. So what's that got to do with what I'm speaking about today? Well, very little, really, other than to say that sometimes the truth gets a little bit jumbled up. Do we find that? So some of the truth that we have, and we believe, and we think, gets infiltrated by circumstance, by other people, by hearsay, by whatever. And so certain things that are incredibly true, and there's a little bit of truth in all of those, some not so much, but they're all talking about real people, real events, yet for some reason, just not quite getting it right. And we laugh, and we think that's funny, and it was. Um, The fact that they, you know, probably all failed that exam, they probably weren't laughing. But truth gets mixed up. And so today, I'm carrying on the sort of revival theme, and we're looking at Gideon in particular. And so if you want a title for this, uh, the title would be, and I see one person with a pen. Oh, no, it's a straw. Okay, never mind. But if anyone was taking notes, you could start with ordinary people, ordinary lives, extraordinary deeds, or extraordinary acts. And so I'm going to tell you the story, and then I'm going to just pull a couple of things out of it. So we're going to whiz through it pretty quickly. So this is a bit of homework for you, okay? If you have a Bible at home, if not, there's probably some in the library somewhere, go to Judges chapter 6. That was a joke. 
but clearly some of you are going, oh, library, I'll, I'll go there. So Judges 6 to 8, okay? Go home and read it. We're not going to have time to read it all now. But in essence, Judges 6 to 8 is all about Gideon, Israel, God, and the Midianites. So to give you an idea, Israel are in a pretty bad way, okay? The Midianites uh, are really just, just kicking them right, left, and center. The Is- Israel are in trouble. They've got no food because the Midianites keep stealing it. They keep stealing all their animals. And basically, they're in a mess. They've turned away from God. Things are not looking good. And this has been happening for about seven years. So what happens? Finally, they call out to God. And so God says, okay, I'll do something. And he uses Gideon. And we'll come back to that. But I'm sure there were, the people didn't quite expect it to be Gideon. So what did happens is Gideon, basically, in a raft of miraculous activity with 300 people managed to defeat an entire army. Incredible style, with amazing uh, help from God, and basically having really whooped them, good and proper, the Midianites don't attack or bother Israel again for 40 years. 40 years. That's two generations, roughly. That's a lot. In those times, 40 years, that was more than someone's lifetime. So that's it. That's the story. So if you read it from six to eight, read it at home. Uh, It's really fascinating. It's a great, great read. So what are the points I want to bring out of it? There's loads in there. There's loads that I won't even talk about that you can look out for yourself. First thing, and I'm going to have a response, by the way, at the end. I'm going to ask people to stand. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and touch you. Because I believe that there'll be things I'll say this morning, the Holy Spirit will be prompting your heart in a couple of key areas that I'm going to talk about. And I want to give you preparation time so that then you can do business with God where you stand, not necessarily at the front, that can happen as well later, but where you sit, where you stand. Because I believe God's on our case. And in revival, as we've said, Chris spoke about Moses, me and others spoke about revival. Revival begins with you and I. This is why it's a revival chat. It begins with you and I. So let's look at it very quickly. So, God decides to use Gideon. Where's Gideon? Gideon is in this wine press. He's below ground. Why is he below ground? Because if he threshes his wheat or corn above ground, the dust rises up, the Midianites see it, and they come and nick the food. And this is his last bit of food. Didn't have dustbusters in those days, so you can't have two people running around with a little dustbuster like that going, you thrash, I'll bust the dust. <laughs> Doesn't quite happen like that. So they're below ground because they don't want the dust rising, and probably he is going, get the dust down. Because they're scared. The angel of God, and if you talk to real theologians like Ben, who's speaking next week, and Dennis, because they clearly know more than I do, um, they tell me that the angel of God It's God himself. It's God himself. Not just one of his very powerful deputies. This is God. Pops down, however they pop down. Do they just appear? Ka-ching or whatever. But there he is and says, hey, mighty warrior. Now, probably Gideon's looking at him and going, is this guy mad? Is this guy on something? Mighty warrior? There's nothing mighty about this guy at that moment, hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat, trying to keep dust down. 
The title doesn't fit, as far as Gideon's concerned. What is Gideon's first response? So verse 12, mighty warrior. Gideon's first reaction, and this is the first bit I want to talk about today, is his first reaction is he voices his disappointment from the past. Verse 13. So verse 12, and he, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And Gideon goes, oh, thanks very much. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are you? Where's the Lord who brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Oh, woe is me. His first reaction, God shows up. Angel of God. It didn't happen massively then. It wasn't like a regular occurrence. Yeah, if you want to see the angel of God, every Thursday market day, left-hand side, over by the leather work, angel of God. Doesn't happen like that. Angel of God, it wasn't a regular thing. There's the angel of God. What's the first thing he says to him is? It's been awful. It's been dreadful. It's been terrible. He starts voicing his disappointment. That just hit me so hard. Why? Because many of us in our life right now are disappointed. How many of you have prayed for people who subsequently die? Let's get some reality here. I've been so, so many times as a Christian for a long-standing time. You pray for people. God can heal. We see it. We hear about it. We may even have witnessed it. But for some reason, people die. We've seen it here. You'll have seen it. And it hurts, and it's horrible. And it's just more than we can stand. And so that disappointment starts blurring our truth. Just like those examples with those exam papers, suddenly that disappointment blurs. Is God God? It brings in questions. And our theology starts being dictated by circumstance, not by God's theology. God's theology is God's theology. Circumstances do not dictate our theology. I'm going to do it very American. Repeat, repeat that after, with me. Circumstances do not dictate, dictate God's theology. Let's try it again. Circumstances do not dictate God's theology. But we let it. Relationships. How many people have been let down by some form of relationship over the last, I don't know, year, five years, 10 years, 20 years? There's four honest people there. Wow, the rest of you are really perfect. It's amazing. We've been let down. We've taken on hurt. We hold on to that. We hold on to that hurt, we hold on to that disappointment, and it becomes almost a comfort. We come to the point where we think, yeah, I feel comfortable in that misery. I feel comfortable with that disappointment. And God's wanting today to say, open your hand, open your hand, give it to me. That's his call today. He is God. You are a mighty warrior. Even though you might be hiding in a wine press, you might be absolutely disappointed. You might even this morning go, there isn't a God, God cannot exist. If he existed, this would not have happened to me. How can there be a God? We've had it, I've been there. I had a choice. Do I, do I just play in the nice bit and then all this messy bit where you might get disappointed and things are a bit scary? Do I forget that and just have a, have a gospel and a walk with God where it's all nice and safe and forget that bit? Do you know what? If it's one or the other, I don't want either. I want both. 
I am not prepared to accept that God is not God. Even though my circumstances might in the natural, might in the flesh, for legitimate reason, and with real, genuine pain, start telling me that God is not God. God is God. Do we believe that? Do we believe it? Do we believe that God's God? Your circumstances, think now, and this is what I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to, in about 10 minutes, talk to you about. Do we believe that God, well, yeah, I believe it for the person next to me, but not my situation. Oh, you just don't know my situation. I don't, but God does. Nobody's situation is unfixable. When you look to God, let go with your hand and say, God, I repent. I ask forgiveness for holding on to this disappointment, which is fear, and denying who you are. So Gideon's first thing is, huh, woe is me. What does God do at this point? Well, you're so ungrateful, I've turned up, you've, you've told me all your disappointments, I can't believe it, where well, I'm off, I'm going to find somebody else. No, he doesn't. The Lord didn't go into any of his disappointments at all, didn't go into it and go, well, let me just run through you theologically why this happened. You see, get me a whiteboard, let me work it out for you. He didn't. What he says to him is in verse 14, and the Lord looked at him and said, so he's, he's given him all his disappointments, and he goes, and the Lord looked at him and said, go in this, your strength, and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Doesn't concentrate on the disappointment. Doesn't concentrate on the problem. Let's all that go of his head. Sympathetic, no doubt. Allows him to say it. Doesn't get angry with him. Because he's a gracious, loving God. But then just says, anyway, go and save Israel. Doesn't deal with the disappointment in the sense of, doesn't explain it for him. Doesn't make it theologically right. Doesn't make him feel better. Just says to him, Go and save Israel. And then goes, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? Has God not sent you? Some of you here, God has spoken to you many, many times about something he's asking you to do. And you haven't. You haven't. Because your past is holding you back. I saw God weeping as I was preparing this. God was just weeping over some of you guys because he's going, guys, give it to me. He will not take it. He cannot prize open your hand. He cannot wrestle you to the ground and grab it and pull it away. You have to give it to him. And he's weeping over you because he's saying, you can be released. Your life can be so different. You can have so much freedom. Just give it to me. He's very gracious with Gideon. He gives him three uh, signs and a fourth. It was Buy three, get one free back then. So he gives him a fourth. He does all the fleece. He sets fire to his lunch. Tricky. Um, obviously, he'd been to a harvester before. They do the same thing. Sets fire to his lunch. Does a fleece. And then at the end, says to him, look, if he's still scared, which he was, go into the camp and I'll give you a sign. Now, I'm, is it just me? Or actually, if you're scared of taking them on, why would you go into their camp? <laughs> bizarre but he does he goes oh yeah I'm really scared I don't really want to take him on but I'll stroll into their camp strolls into their camp at night here's two guys talking we're already defeated we're doomed Mr. Mannering we're doomed 
the hand of Gideon is going to come. Why are they Scottish, the Midianites? Weird. <laughs> the, the hand of God is going to come through um, Gideon and kill us. Ah! They're so dumb, they don't run off at that point. I think I would. They don't. They wait, and guess what? They do get defeated by Gideon. At that point, Gideon finally realizes, it's you, God. It's you. I'm ready. God is so patient. God is so gracious. I've heard this preached that you shouldn't ask for signs like that. You should be mature enough and just know. Do you know what, guys? I'm going to blow that myth away in the name of Jesus. I cut that that off because if you want a sign, ask for the sign. If you want the fleece, ask for the fleece. If you want them to burn your lunch up, careful where you are, get them to burn it up. If you want to sneak into the enemy's camp, sneak into the enemy's camp. Do it. Because God's gracious. At no time did God get angry with Gideon. At no time did God smite him. At no time did God get irritable. He just went with it. He went with it. Because he loved him. And he, won- he could have smote the Midianites using a grain of sand. He decided he was going to use Gideon. Gideon gives loads of excuses, but I'm the lowest of the low, the youngest of the youngest. My tribe is the lowest. He gives loads of excuse. God doesn't even go into it. He just goes, go and obey, go and obey. One thing he does do, having him said, okay, you're probably God, yeah, all right, I get it, you're telling me to do something. Verse 25, chapter 6, verse 25. Go and destroy Baal. So although he was a low, so low, his dad had put up the ashram poles and Baal. These were things that were completely anti-God. These were idols that had nothing to do with God at all. They're very sexual in their orientation in terms of worship. It was all the murky murkiness of life was at Baal and the ashram pole. And what God was looking for was obedience, yes, but purification and repentance. And at times of revival, God's looking for purity. He's looking for repentance. And the things that stop that are impurity, unforgiveness, disappointment, and they can all be tied up together. And Gideon has to step out in faith. He has to let go of something that could get him killed. He has to obey. He has to go through this purification, repentance process. And then... God can really use him in a mighty way to save Israel for 40 years. He was an ordinary person. He had an ordinary life, but he did an extraordinary deed. And the first thing he did was let go of his disappointment, accepted God was God. Couldn't see how it was going to happen. The facts did not fit, but he went with God. He repented. He said, God, purify me. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I don't know why you're using me, but I'm going to obey. Use me, God. That's what he's speaking to us today. So that's where, could you all stand, please? If we have band, if there is a band, elastic band, any band. For some of you, I've already... Let's just close our eyes and open our, hold our hands out. What I believe the Holy Spirit 
God through his Holy Spirit wants to do. Many of you are clinging on to that disappointment. There was a picture about being elephants in the jungle, not, not um, uh, just meek animals. There was a picture about, are we for God, are we against it? There was words about being bold. And that's what this is about. This is about letting go of the disappointment. It's gripping in your hand. Let it go. So Holy Spirit, will you come now? Will you come now and touch these people here? Touch them, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, highlight to each person that disappointment, maybe that unforgiveness that they're holding on to. And may they be able to repent. And repent means, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for fearing and not trusting you. I give you my disappointment from the past. I give you that unforgiveness. The people, think of those people you're not forgiving that's holding you back because of how they hurt you in the past. And that's interfering with your relationship with God. I forgive them. In the name of Jesus, say, I forgive them. Say, God, I want to walk in your forgiveness. I want to walk in your glory and in your grace. So as we sing, do some business with God. You can get prayer as well afterwards. Not a problem. And there's some words that... I will share after we've sung. But do some business with God right now. Don't leave here with your hand gripped around disappointment. God's weeping over you. He loves you. He loves you just like he loved Gideon. He longs to see you free. All you have to do is take that one step. He does the rest. Does that mean that everything will always work out? No. Does that mean there'll be things that, we won't, that will happen that we do not understand and that hurt? Yes. But will that mean God is still God? Yes, God is still God. Our circumstances do not dictate our theology. And many of you, I know many of you have trodden such difficult paths, but done it with such grace. Because you know God is God. So Holy Spirit, move now. Move, move, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. Come, touch your people. Move, Lord. Move, Lord. Move, Lord. Move, Lord. Holy Spirit. Move, Lord. 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 Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Some of you are feeling it. Just go with it. Just go with it. Your hands are shaking. You're feeling warm. Your heart's fluttering. That's the Holy Spirit lovingly connecting with you. Yeah. Let them go. Some of you have had these for decades. Just let them go. Let them go. Cut them off in the name of Jesus. If you're not feeling anything, that's absolutely fine. If this isn't your time, that's absolutely fine. If you're feeling God, don't push it away. Spend these next couple of minutes going with it.
He forgives. Pray.